if you have your Bible with you this evening, uh, can you turn with me? We have two Bible readings tonight. And the first one, just a couple of verses from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. All of the hymns in some way or in some form have had reference to a bridegroom or reference uh, to garments. And we want this evening to look at uh, an incident that will happen in the last day, and that is the marriage supper of the Lamb, when the bride, all of the saints, all of the Christians, will come and will uh, be married, as it were, to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have two Bible readings tonight. The first one, just a few verses from Revelation chapter 19, and we'll read verses 6 down to the end of verse 10, and then we'll go over to Matthew's Gospel. But we'll read these verses, Matthew 19, in verses 6 to 10, firstly. And we read there in Revelation 19, verse 6, And I, saw, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honour to him. And the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. I will just turn to Matthew's Gospel and the chapter 22. We've covered the whole of the New Testament, the last book, and now the first book of the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. And the Lord Jesus Christ, really Matthew 22, suppose verse chapters 23 24 onwards really christ is speaking about the last days and so he's teaching on the last days about the, mar the, the marriage feast the marriage supper that we've just read about in revelation chapter 19 and he explains the marriage supper in form of a parable and this is really where we want to concentrate this evening we read revelation 19 just really to set the scene and to uh, whet the appetite but we'll read now Matthew 22 and we'll read verses one, verse 1 down to the end of verse 14. So Matthew 22 and we read there in verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, 
and as many as she found bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in thither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. We'll end our reading there, and this is really where we want to concentrate on uh, this parable, this passage in Matthew 22. But before we do so, we'll just ask again uh, God's help. We'll pray, and we'll ask for God's help, and we'll seek God and for his presence just now as we come to look at the scripture. So let's just pray again collectively as a, a unit. Lord, we just thank you so much for the scriptures. Lord, we realize that when we handle the scriptures that we should not handle them lightly. Lord, there are many who have given blood and they've given their lives for it. And so we thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you as well for keeping your promise that you would preserve the word. And not one jot or one tittle would fail. And Lord, we thank you that we have a complete word of God before us tonight. And Lord, as we come to a particular portion of it, we pray that you would open up our minds and you would enlighten our hearts, that we might be touched by the word of God. To that end, Lord, we ask for the help of the blessed Holy Spirit, the author of the book, as it were. We ask, Lord, for he who has inscribed the book, that you would come and that you would inscribe it on each and every heart tonight. Lord, we know that as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we have come in, and many of us, we all have different needs. And we pray that whatever that need is, that thou, the Holy Spirit, would just meet that need tonight. So, Lord, bless us and do our hearts good as we meet around the word. May we know a gracious sense of God, the Holy Ghost, uh, being with us tonight. So bless us and, and be with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 22. Uh, we're going to look at the parable as a whole this evening. But Matthew chapter 22 and verse 3 tells us that the king sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Now I'm sure this evening that everybody here has either been invited to or has attended a wedding of some kind. And I'm sure that you'll agree with me this evening that there's nothing that quite resembles the grandeur and the greatness of a wedding ceremony. What a day that is when the bride, in her beauty, walks the aisle with her father and is married eventually to her bridegroom. But there are some things that must be arranged in order for the bride and the bridegroom to have that picturesque and that picture-perfect wedding. Flowers, of course, are required to beautifully decorate the church and reception setting. And I don't know about uh, the men in the meeting tonight, but surely the ladies, they will require help with their curls, their creams, and, of course, their cosmetics. The men, of course, on the other hand, they will need help uh, selecting the right shoes, uh, shirts, and suits if they're to look their best on that special day. Photography and video provision is also a must. But one of the main worries on the heads and shoulders of the bride and bridegroom 
is, of course, the invitation. The invitation to the wedding. I mean, who are you going to invite to the wedding ceremony? Who is going to be on the guest list? Who is going to be included and who is going to be excluded from the wedding? On whose side of the family will the guests come from? And of course, then when the guest list is set and the invitations have been issued, what will their response be? What will their response be to being invited to the wedding? How will they respond to be invited to the wedding? Will they be present at the wedding? Or will they be absent from the wedding? And with every wedding, of course, it's the mother and the father of the bride who issue the invitation. But tonight, men and women, I'm not inviting you to an earthly wedding, but I'm inviting you to a far greater wedding than than that. I'm inviting you this evening to a heavenly wedding. And this is the greatest invitation that you will ever receive. You see, the Bible tells us, and we read about it tonight in Revelation chapter 19, that someday there's going to be a royal wedding. It's going to be a royal marriage supper. And the saints, the Christians of all ages, they will come. They will be the bride. They will be the church. And they will be married to their bridegroom. And of course, their bridegroom is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 22, Christ teaches of how we are invited to this uh, marriage supper, how we are invited to this heavenly wedding. And it pictures for us a king, a king sending forth his guests on his behalf to the wedding of his son. And this evening, I wonder, how will you respond? How will you respond as the king of kings, God the Father, sends forth his servant to invite you to the wedding of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How will you respond to the invitation to the marriage supper? And so this evening, very simply, I want to consider consider this parable. And I want to consider this parable under the subject, a summons to the marriage supper. A summons to the marriage supper. And there are three very simple things. That I wish to leave with you this evening. And I'm going to give you the thoughts just now. Just so you can uh, keep with me. This summons to the marriage supper. The first thing that I want us to think about. Is the appeal made. The king sent the servants. And appealed. And invited the guests to come to the wedding. The second thing I wish to consider. Is the answers that were given. How was it that they responded. To the invitation. The appeal made. The answers given. Lastly, the attendees that were shown. Who was it that attended this great wedding ceremony? So the summons to the married supper, that's what I want to consider this evening. The first thing then, therefore, is the appeal made. The appeal made. And there were two ways that this appeal, appeal was made. Verse 3 tells us that the appeal was made humanly. It was made humanly. In verse 3 we read there that the king sent forth his servants... To call them that were bidden to the wedding. You see, today you are invited to a wedding formally through an invitation. Perhaps it is enveloped or if the bride and bridegroom are a little hard up for cash, maybe you'll just receive an email. But this was not the custom in the Jewish culture some 2,000 years ago for a royal wedding. And what the king would do was 
that the king would gather together his servants and he would gather his servants and send forth his servants on his behalf to invite the guests to the wedding. In other words, he would send his servants humanly and physically and invite them on the king's behalf. And this evening, that's exactly how you are invited to the wedding ceremony. You're invited to the feast, not formally, but humanly. God's ordained method is that he gets the human messenger to invite you on the king's behalf. God uses human instruments to ask you to come to the royal supper. And this this is exactly what my job is tonight. To stand before you as the king's messenger and invite, invite you to come to this great royal wedding. Jeremiah spoke of this human method, this God-ordained method in the king sending his servants or God sending his servants on his behalf. In Jeremiah 25 and the verse 4, in Jeremiah 25 verse 4 we read, And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants the prophets, rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. And Jeremiah was reminding the nation very simply that this was God's ordained method. He had sent human messengers. Israel had had backslidden. They had fallen into sin. And God had sent forth his servant throughout the children of Israel's history. He had sent forth his servant to warn them and to uh, invite them. And today, this is how the message comes to your heart. It comes through this preacher. It comes through those who you rub shoulders with day and daily. Maybe you've had the blessing of having a devoted dad. A devoted dad who, devo- who is so devoted to your soul that he prays for you every day. Maybe as you were growing up, you had that maternal mother. That mother who cared for you and who showed you the Christian uh, walk. Uh, just lived the Christian life uh, day and by, by day before you. Maybe you had a bold brother who was always warning you of the judgment to come. Maybe this evening you had a godly grandmother or a godly uh, influence in your life inviting you to Sabbath school. Maybe this evening you had the blessing of a persistent partner at work. That man or that, that man on the factory floor, that lady who you rub shoulders with every day And he was inviting you, warning you of the judgment to come and inviting you to this great royal wedding. But maybe you say to me tonight, you know, I'm I'm waiting on, on something extra special. I'm waiting on an angel, as it were, some great appearance out of the sky and inviting me to come to Christ. Well, I want to warn you tonight. I want to warn you that that's God's, that is not God's ordained method. God sends forth his human messengers that parent, that brother, that sister, this preacher to invite you, to invite you to the royal wedding. And if you're waiting on some vision, I want to tell you, my friend, you'll be lost forever. You'll be lost forever. Don't wait on some vision, for the next vision that you will have will be the second coming of Christ. And my friend, then, it will be too late. The appeal was made humanly. God's ordained method is sending forth the messenger. And the king he, he sent forth the messenger on his behalf. The appeal was made humanly, but the appeal, I want you to also notice, was made repeatedly. 
It was made repeatedly. In verse 3, towards the end, and also in verse 4, we read that the king sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. Verse 4, again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. The verse 3 there, notice the word to call them that were bidden. In verse 3, the, those words to call them that were bidden, in the Greek, in the Greek original, it basically it's a little play on words. And in the Greek, the words literally read, to call the called. In other words, to call those who had already been called. You see, in the East, it was the custom that several invitations were given to a royal wedding. At first, an invitation was given generally. A general invitation just saying, look, there's going to be a wedding. We're not sure when it might be. It's sometime in the future. But just prepare because there's going to be a wedding. And you know yourself in human experience that this is so. Someone tries to organise something. They say, we're maybe thinking of doing something this weekend. And, and that's really the, the, the thought here. But then in, in the East, the custom was that a second invitation was given. Whenever the date of the wedding was set, as it were, whenever the feast had been prepared and everything was ready, then the king then sent out uh, his servants again to invite them to the royal wedding. In other words, the guests were uh, called repeatedly, repeatedly to the wedding and the invitation to the marriage supper this evening they're not single but they are multiple god has invited you many times to the marriage supper you would have to agree with me this evening that you've had many opportunities god has spoken to you repeatedly just as the marriage supper the the servants were sent forth and then they were sent forth again to invite the people to come. Surely the servant has been sent forth time and time again to you. How many times, how many times have you been invited to this royal wedding? How many times have you been invited to turn from your sin very simply and to look by faith to Jesus Christ, the only one who can save you? How many times have you been invited to join the bride, to become, as it were, the bride, and on that last day be married to your bridegroom how many times have you not been invited you know there's a warning there's a warning to those who are invited repeatedly many warnings in the bible but in proverbs 29 verse 1 we read he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck and the phrase hardeneth his neck there it it just carries with it the simple picture in the hebrew of an old stubborn bull the farmers will know exactly what I mean. An old stubborn bull who you, you show them the yoke. You want the, the bull to, or the ox to go into the yoke. But the bull, he sees the yoke and he, he knows what's coming. So he hardens his neck and he turns away from it. And he's stiff. He is stiff-necked. And it is a picture of those who continually refuse to obey the gospel. They know what's coming. And they just harden their heart against it. You know the rest of that verse? There's a solemn warning in there for you. Because the rest of that verse goes on to tell us that he being often reproved and hardeneth his neck, he'll suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. Those who harden their neck, those who repeatedly hear the gospel, suddenly, just like that, just whenever they don't expect it, they'll be destroyed without remedy, without a cure. 
The rejection of the gospel this evening is not only sin, but it's infuriating. It's infuriating and it invokes the wrath of God. My friend, if you continually reject the gospel message this evening, think of it as this. Think of it, yes, as sin, but, but also that you're infuriating the wrath of God. I wonder this evening, if you get so used to hearing the gospel message that you've just switched off. As this preacher, as a human messenger, pleads with you to come to this royal wedding, I wonder, have you got so used to it? You've heard it repeatedly, time and time again. And yet, like the stubborn bull, you've hardened your heart. So the appeal was made. The appeal was made humanly, and it was made repeatedly. The appeal was made, and I want you to notice secondly, the answers that were given. How was it that the guests responded to being invited to the royal wedding? You imagine it. It would have been such a great and tremendous privilege to have been invited to the royal wedding. I mean, if Queen Elizabeth was to invite you to the wedding of, of Kate and the prince a couple of years ago, you would have jumped. You would have loved to have got an invitation to that wedding. You would have went in an instant. And yet, how was it that they responded to this invitation? You see, the important thing is not so much as the receiving of the invitation, but it's how you will respond and answer the invitation. So what, let's think about some of the answers given to this Invitation. I want you to notice again two answers. The first answer, verse 5, some were apathetic. In verse 5 we read that they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. Now I chose the word apathy for a very special and particular reason. It comes from two words. Uh, the, basically what it literally means, the first word means feeling, pathos. And for example, if you sympathise with somebody, then you have feeling with them. So pathos has the idea of feeling. But the theologians in the meeting tonight will know the little pref- or little uh, prefix A, it just simply means no. For example, a millennialism means no millennial reign. And so whenever I say they are apathetic, what I'm simply saying is that there was no feeling. In other words, as they received the invitation, they simply were unmoved. They were apathetic as they were invited to come to the king's wedding. They simply couldn't care. And they went back to the farm and also to their business. And as the appeal is issued, whilst my friend you should be alarmed, yet the reality of it is is that you remain apathetic. You're unmoved and indifferent as you are invited. God the Father says to you tonight very simply, come all things are ready. My fatlings, my oxen are prepared. Everything has been re- prepared. Christ has died on the cross. Provision has been made. He invites you to come to the royal wedding tonight. And yet you remain unmoved. Christ is presented to you. And you remain unmoved. Is that you tonight? Is that you? No feeling? Apathetic? Simply couldn't care? You know the greatest example I believe of apathy in the Bible? Very solemnly. Is found in John chapter 19. And there we read of Christ. Christ is hanging on the cross. He's praying for his people and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And yet in John 19 verse 24, we read that about the soldiers, as they stood and beheld Christ dying on the cross, we read of the soldiers 
in John 19 verse 24 that they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots these things therefore the soldiers did Christ is hanging on the cross and what did the soldiers do? well let me put it in, in, in blunt terms they were betting and they were gambling they were gambling for Christ's clothes as Christ hung on the cross they, parted, they cast lots and they parted, they cast lots for Christ's clothing. That is the greatest example of apathy, I believe, in the Bible. But can I say this to you tonight? Before you, you look at that, the soldiers, as they gambled for Christ's clothing, as you would wag your finger at them, can I say this evening that by your apathy, by your ill feeling, you're playing exactly the same part as those soldiers did. Oh, what a terrible thing to be unmoved unmoved by the gospel invitation you know there was a gospel two-week campaign going on and the preacher was preaching with great fervency the lord was giving him great help and just in the middle of the meeting it was a two-week campaign the preacher saw just in the middle of the meeting a young 19 year old girl and she he noticed that she was obviously evidently touched by the preaching and she sat during the meetings and she she cried and she wept uh, but so time went on the preacher continued to talk and with her continued to preach but then he noticed after the first week that the, the young girl she didn't come back to the meetings so the preacher did his homework and he found out where she lived and he went and he visited her uh, one day and he said to her dear it's evident that the Lord is gracious is, is speaking to you you sit in the meetings you're crying you obviously believe what's being said but, but you haven't been back at the meetings why is it that you've stopped? And the young girl, she was only 19, and she said, Preacher, I believe everything that you say is true. I believe that Christ died for me. I believe that he rose again for me, ascended for me. But I'm only 19. I'm only 19. And I want to enjoy my life. I want to go to the disco. And I want to enjoy myself. Uh, but the sad thing was that by the end of the gospel campaign, two weeks, the young girl, sadly, was in God's eternity. And the sad thing was about that young girl that she had spent her life majoring in minors and minoring on the majors. And I trust that that's not you tonight. Just like the farmers, just like the, the, those who had been invited, how, what, what, how did they respond? They were apathetic and they went back. They, they simply went to their farm and they went to their business. I trust tonight that that's not you, apathetic. So that was the first answer. Some were apathetic. What was the second answer? Verse 6. Some were aggressive. In verse 6 we read that the remnant took his servants and entreated them, entreated them spitefully and slew them. Some treated the message with contempt. As I said, it, it's so difficult to imagine that you would respond like this. After all, it was the, king, it was the king's son's wedding. This was a royal wedding. Yet sadly, they reacted like this. They were aggressive towards the messenger. The messenger, You've heard our colloquialism, don't shoot the messenger. Well, that's exactly what they did. They simply slew the messengers. And I wonder, have I described you this evening? We considered earlier the message of the gospel coming humanly. God using the human method. Well, I wonder, do you give that human messenger a difficult time? That dad who continually pleads and prays for you. 
that mother who lovingly cares for you, that workmate, that person at work who, who invites you to come to the meetings, I wonder, I wonder, do you give them a difficult time? Or you might not slay, as it were, the, the, the messenger as, as these, these people did, but maybe you give them a difficult time and you're aggressive towards them. They would seek to witness to you and yet you treat them like an enemy. Paul said that every faithful minister and every person who seeks to witness for Christ, they should expect uh, that they would go through difficult times, that they should expect this response. In writing to the Corinthian church, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verses 4 and 5, we read as he looks down the tunnel of time, as he summarizes his ministry, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4 and 5, we read, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, afflictions, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, and in labours. And Paul said, as he had preached the gospel, as he had, as it were, invited people to come to this great royal wedding's marriage supper, he had endured beating and he had endured bruising. But maybe you say to me tonight, preacher, you know, I don't treat, I don't treat those who, who witness to me. I don't treat them like that at all. And you know, if the minister comes into my house, I pay him respect. I, I am nice to the messenger. I come to church. I do nobody any harm. Well, can I say that perhaps outwardly there's not that persecution? You don't slay the messenger. But inwardly, inwardly within your heart, there would, you would have to be honest before God, that there is that persecution, as it were, towards Christ. Deep within your heart, there's that rebellion. How can Christ ask me to come to him? How can Christ, as it were, call me a sinner? On what authority does he do that? And I would say to you that whilst outwardly you may not persecute believers, yet inwardly, inwardly, you're aggressive. Aggressive. I use those words, aggressive, towards Christ. And so the message, the message of the gospel, the appeal that was made, the appeal was made humanly and it was made repeatedly. Then there were some answers given. Lastly, I want you to then uh, notice the attendees that were shown, the attendees that were shown. Who was it that attended this great wedding supper? Well, verse 10b tells us that there was a great, a great amount of people that went Verse 10, towards the end of the verse, we read that it was furnished with guests. And that just simply means that this great wedding ceremony, it was filled with guests. If you go into a house and you say, oh, well, that house is well furnished. Well, that's the idea here. It's full. It's full with guests. And so the attendees that were shown, there were two different types of people who attended this royal wedding supper. There were those who were permitted those who were permitted, allowed to go to the wedding. Verse 10 tells us of those who were permitted. So those that servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, and look how they're described, both bad and good. Those who had responded positively, they then made their way up to the marriage feast. And as I said, there were both bad and good people that attended this royal wedding. And in saying that they were both, they were bad and good, he was referring to their moral character. In other words, there was no regard for their past character. 
It didn't matter whether this group was moral or immoral. It didn't matter whether they were religious or irreligious, pure or impure, learned or unlearned. They were both bad and good, as they, and they were permitted to go to the wedding. And this evening, Christ is able to save not only the best of sinners, but Christ is able to save the worst of sinners. Maybe you're saying to me this evening, you know, my sin is too great. My sin, Christ could never save me. I've committed some horrendous things in my life. <coughs> we'll just look. Who was it amongst the, this, great, this great host that went to the wedding? Both bad and good. Both bad and good. And I want to say to you tonight that Christ's blood is able to cleanse you from all of your sin. Christ is able to cleanse the adulterer, the liar and the drunkard, as well as the upright religious and the moral. My friend tonight, he's able to save both bad and good. And I wonder which category do you fit into? Is it bad or is it good? Are you, as it were, upright, religious or are you... uh, living sinfully. Well, whatever your standing is, you're still sinful before God and Christ is able to save you tonight. But maybe you're wondering, well, how was it that that bad people, that bad people were allowed to go to this wedding? Well, the answer is very simple. You see, it was common at a royal wedding in Bible times that when a guest accepted the invitation when the king sent his servants and he invited those to come to the wedding. The servant issued the guest with a, royal, with a white robe. And they, they, they then put on this white robe. And this signified that whenever they were going, in, going to this royal wedding, this simply showed that they were a guest. They were a permitted guest to the wedding. And the reason that this was so was because there were some very poor people. And they would have wore rags. They wouldn't have had... Uh, nice clothes. And then, there, of course, there was an, the other extreme. There were some rich. and But it didn't matter. Whatever their situation was, their poverty or whatever it was, it was all covered as they wore this garment. And it's just simply typological of salvation. You see, as you come to Christ, Christ covers all of your sin with uh, the garment of salvation. In other words, your sin is completely covered and you're presented as spotless and holy before uh, God, So that is how the bad and the good, they were permitted to go to this wedding. They had to have on this, this uh, lovely garment. So I said there were those who were permitted. But I also, want, uh, I also want you to see, lastly, the attendees shown, there were those, sadly, who were prohibited. They weren't allowed to go to the wedding. Verse 11 and verse 13 tells us about this. That when the king came in to see the guests... He saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Verse 13, what happened to this man? Well, this man, he, verse 13, the king said to his servants to bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. After the guests had arrived for the wedding, the king, he saw the guests, they were in the dining table, and he saw the guests and they all would have had their, their lovely garments on. They all would have been pure and white. But he saw one man in the middle of the crowd and he didn't have on his wedding garment. Now we must ask the question, why was it that this man refused to put on the wedding, put on the wedding garment? After all, when the king sent his servants, he would have been issued, no doubt, 
with a garment. So why was it that he didn't bring the wedding garment to the wedding? Well, can I suggest to you one very simple thing? He thought he could go to the wedding dressed in his own clothes. Here was a man who spurned the king's provision of a new robe to go to the wedding. And this evening, you will not be permitted to the wedding supper wearing polluted rags, but a pure, but rather a pure robe. In other words, it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through his pure robe, his robe of righteousness, that you can be allowed into this great wedding supper. And can I say this? If you don't have Christ as your saviour, if you think like that man in the wedding, the wedding ceremony, you can go in wearing your own clothes, coming on your own terms. Verse 13 tells us exactly what will happen to you. Verse 13, that this man was bound hand and foot and he was cast out of the wedding and cast into outer darkness. My friend, you will be, you too, just as he was prohibited from attending the, wet, the, the supper, the, the feast. So you too. You'll be prohibited. You'll not be allowed to go to the wedding ceremony. And you'll be cast into outer darkness. Very simply, you'll be cast into hell. You'll be cast into hell because you haven't put on the garment of salvation. A summons to the marriage supper. All things are ready. Come now to the marriage feast. I trust tonight that you will heed the human messenger and that you'll not be angry or aggressive towards the messenger. But tonight that you will put on that robe of righteousness and that you at the last day, you'll be among the crowd at the great marriage supper of the Lamb when the bride at the supper comes and is married to her bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless his word tonight.